Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV Awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's show, we're going to be looking at the drama categories this year's Emmys, and we're going to be talking about night one of the Creative Arts Emmys, as well as some peacock news. Peacock. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Well, guys, last night was the night one of the Creative Arts Emmys. You guys were talking a little bit before we started recording, but what were your first impressions of what the Academy brought to the table in this virtual edition of the Creative Arts Emmys? It was so fast. Leo! I've never seen a award ceremony go that fast. <laughs> it was delightful and horrifying all at the same time because it they were moving at such a clip. I didn't really know how to process everything. Oftentimes when you're watching an awards show and, and covering it from a, from a journalistic standpoint, you will miss things because you are in a ceremony, you're writing something and you look back up and you're like, I don't even know who just won. I don't know what category that was. Um, which is something that I will expect more for us to happen on Sunday. But last night, uh, you didn't get a chance to look away or write on anything because it was award announced, uh, you, you know, award introduced, winner announced, winner speech, 45 seconds, boom, we're on to the next thing, except for one or two bits, uh, one or two bits, and then one or two like special segments, and we were out within 56 minutes of when they started. Um, it's a far cry from a two-night creative arts extravaganza as as uh, the creative arts Emmys were last year. Um, but it is, it was it was a little bit bananas and I honestly, I'm not in, entirely sure how I feel about it yet other than it was kind of hilarious, which is really all I'm looking for this year. Ben, uh, you wrote a great review of last night's of last night's um show why don't you why don't you expand on that a little bit oh man i i honestly think you i think you summed it up perfectly because as i struggled with after watching this thing in 55 minutes last night uh, i just kept coming back to the question of okay it's it's you can't compare this award show to any other award show because this award show typically doesn't air they don't do a broadcast of it they'll show some highlights on fx a couple of years like but they don't do the full thing they don't do all two nights on tv they will do and, a cut down not dissimilar to the ceremony that will air on fxx on saturday with a bunch of awards they haven't awarded yet but those are the awards that they would typically cut together for a ceremony i interrupted you please go on no that's 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 just it so so there's so you can't really look at it like, okay, was this as entertaining as the Oscars or last year's Emmys or the Tonys? And you can't really look at it as, was it as good as what we normally get? Like if you get to go to the ceremony and if you get to be a part of it and putting yourself in the shoes of the nominees, because that's impossible. Like it's, it's a pandemic. That's, that's not an option. So they, it wasn't like they chose to do this instead of that. This was, you know, the best idea they came up with to make up for the fact that they can't celebrate in person like they want to with a big fancy dinner and red carpet and, and a party, you know, like around the, the, the ceremonies themselves. Um, so I just kept asking myself, like, could this version of it be better than what it is? And why didn't it resonate with me? Because my biggest problem ended up being how fast it was. It felt like they rushed through all of these awards being given to people and that very well could just be an adjustment that I have to make to this new format because it's all pre-taped and because there's no, you know, long walk to the stage. There's no kind of fumbling with the mic. There's no um, kind of, uh, you know, big applause and, and commercial breaks to fill everything. It's like, it's all running very tightly and very smoothly. So you have to adjust and, and pay attention. Um, but part of it also just felt like 
They were just trying to hand them out and get it over with and make sure that this worked. And because there's five nights of these leading up to the first big virtual prime time ceremony, it really always felt to me like they wanted to make this the trial run. Like they wanted to use this as practice to make sure they don't screw up in the future. And if it feels like that when you're watching it, to me, that's a problem. And that's what it felt like more than anything else. It felt much more like, well, technically this worked pretty well. Now we're ready for the next step. We're going to keep trying to do this and make sure we're perfect for when we're really out in the sun with a bunch of people watching, knock on wood, we hope. Um, and I, I would have liked to see them try to honor a little bit more of the work. Though they did put in clips. They did use clips of the work of the shows, which I love. So that's something. Yeah, you know, we were talking a little bit before we started recording. And um, one of the things that was definitely missing in last night's ceremony was emotion. Um, we have talked extensively on the pod about... Um, strategies that they could or should use, especially in the primetime Emmy ceremony. And we knew beforehand that the creative arts Emmys had gone out to every nominee and asked them to pre-tape an acceptance speech um, so as to maintain the surprise of who the winners were. Um, but you could feel that when you would watch the winner's speeches. Um, there was not the the endorphin rush when someone has, has just won the, the biggest award in their field. Um, there wasn't that sense of, of excitement and, and happiness and um, flustered energy because you had a lot of people delivering a speech, um, lovely enough speeches, but that had no emotional weight to it because they didn't know if they had actually won an Emmy. And so I can't really fault them for that. Um, again, the Emmys are in an impossible place and I still haven't figured out a, a better a better version of how to do that. I mean, I have some theories, but I couldn't believe how many technical <laughs> gaffes there were in it. I mean, not gaffes, but like, it was kind of um, rough around the edges. Ben, what did you make of that? So the biggest one, as we talked about before the pod and at length last night, was <laughs> the repeat winner, uh, who whose name I should know, and I apologize at this point, but um, he was the, he did the sound for Apollo 11, and they announced him, his categories back-to-back. -back. He was up for both categories, he won both categories, and they aired the same accepted speech, I mean, within 30 seconds of each other, like, with, like very close together, so that it was very obvious that it was the same exact video from the same exact man delivered the same exact way, and it was one of those things where it just felt amateurish. It just felt like a purposeful act. Like a purposeful accident is the best way I can describe this right now. Because it's it's it was a choice. Like they they didn't know the winners beforehand. So like as soon as the winner is announced, they have to hit play on whoever's name they've got in the docket. Um, but I can't imagine they also asked him to submit two separate speeches for his two categories, even though that would have been the thing to do. And if they did ask him to do that, then he either didn't and they just were okay with that or what? I don't know. But anyway, it, it was strange. And then there were also a couple of beats in the, in the actual taped stuff. Like Nicole Byer had a very awkward beat early on uh, during her monologue where she seemed to pause before she transitioned to something as if she was making a point, but there was no point to be made. It just seemed like she was waiting for a cue card to move. Um, and then <laughs> uh, most noticeably, I think Rob Riggle had his hand on the camera when he was trying to give his introduction to a category. Like he was clearly holding a phone. He was, like it was the one hand. It was the one yeah. hand. So he had the like one hand selfie look. But, like, not not high either. Like, he didn't get the right angle, even though I'm sure... It was from down. Yeah, he was actor, shooting it from down. Here. He should know better by now. Like, we all should know a better angle to shoot at. From, but he just kind of be like, oh, it's in my lap, but I'm just going with it. But I got one hand on the camera. And, yeah, like, his, his hand was very visible. And it was like they didn't even ask him to reshoot it. Or they didn't even... They could have cut it. They could have just trimmed it yeah. in. And it would have been, you know... Yeah. More, looked a little strange, I guess, but not as strange as seeing a camera in the shot. Um, so there were, again, little touches like that where it seemed like 
the execution, the, the literal watching of it, was pretty smooth. But the decisions that went into building it ahead of time were questionable. So it, that gave it the amateurish feeling, which made it feel, again, less like an honor and more like a, we're just trying to make sure it works. We're just trying to make sure we can do it. Well, guys, in the news this week, Peacock announced his subscriber numbers, and apparently they're up to 15 million signups, which is a 50% increase from six weeks ago when they had 10 million uh, as of July 30th. So they're already halfway towards their goal of 30 to 35 million subscribers by 2024. Like, what does that mean? Is that paid subscribers? Or is that just people using the service for free? Just people using the service. It's just people using the service. So that's a, that's a lot of free cock. I will yeah. say this. Or. I will say this as a program note. A program note. Program note. I probably will be signing up for a paid Peacock subscription so that I can watch English Premier League soccer. Oh, great. Have one uh, subscriber. I'll be You'll the be one. Leo to watch soccer. I have a Twitter thread to, th- to send you, by the way, <laughs> about that. About Wait. the struggles of watching soccer. Well, I do know, I do know that they only air certain ones live, and then the rest of it is replays. I am aware of that. I like, can you watch them on demand? Like, once yeah. they've aired, once they've... So 9, 9 p.m., I think 6 p.m. Pacific time, the day that the games occur, you can watch those games. Well, guys, we're talking about the drama categories uh, at the Emmys, which will be occurring in four days. Let's start with Best Supporting Actress, which I think is... I I think a lot of these drama categories are pretty wide open, and you can see them go in a couple of different directions. No? Am I wrong, Libby? I mean, a couple, I guess. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't don't know if there's a lot... There's there's no lock here like Regina King in Watchmen. That's what I'll say. No. Like, no, there's that's, nothing that, like that. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But for Best Supporting Actress, right now, Ben, you have Helena Bonham Carter from The Crown at the top of your list. In your could win, you have Sarah Snook from Succession, which is actually Libby's pick. Other potential contenders are last year's winner, Julie Garner for Ozark, Meryl Streep, who seemingly wins everything, and then, you know, Laura Dern, Danny Newton, Dark Horses, Outsiders, but... What do you guys think about this category? What do you think about the Helena Bonham Carter versus Sarah Snook? You know, as soon as Helena Bonham Carter was confirmed for the crown, uh, this was 85% locked up, I would say. I don't think she did any press for it, like any Emmys press. I don't think she's talked to anyone. I'm not even sure if she's in the United States, but she is just sort of that force of nature that every time she's on, screen on film she's doing something so interesting and and she's so well respected and and i think like they really like to encourage her to stop uh doing tim burton projects so uh <laughs> you know the, the the smart money's probably still on on helena bottom carter but at the same time and this is my problem with the crown and a lot of these drama categories like who is talking about the crown um, it feels like whenever we're talking about The Crown, we're talking about The Crown several seasons from now and how excited we are to get to that point when that cast arrives. And that um, feels a little problematic for a show that, that knows it's going to end in the nearish future, but also can't decide which season it's going to end with and goes back and forth. And it's just, it it, it is... Um, It doesn't feel as strong as it has previously. It doesn't feel as much of a lock as it has previously. Um, But also, as you said in this category, there there is no lock. Uh, Meryl Streep could absolutely win this. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter could absolutely win this. Um, No questions asked. Julia Garner could maybe win this. Like, again, I I don't know. But, But for my money... I put it on Sarah Snook. Uh, she's the most high-profile actress on that show. Uh, the 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 most front and center female performance on the show. Um, this season really elevated her character. She did some great work. She's always so so great with um, with Matthew McFadden, and and I just think if Succession is gonna dominate, like it could at the Emmys, like maybe Snook sweeps in because there isn't an obvious favorite otherwise. Um, Ben, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I think Sarah Snook has strong Julia Garner vibes from last year. I think she's the kind of person that everybody who loves that show loves on that show. So there may be a, a pretty strong push to see her get the win. Um, she's also not competing against anyone else from the show, which is not something all of her castmates can say. Correct. Yeah. And um, I I may flip-flop before you know sunday's yeah. ceremony but i think my thinking behind Hel- helena bottom carter uh i mean it's it's obviously motivated by everything that you said um as well as the fact that actors still like the crown or at least they they have continuously liked the crown like john lithgow won for the first season claire foy kind of came out of nowhere and won for the second season so i kind of expect one actor to win for the crown and i i think it'll probably be carter or if i think if there was going to be one it would probably be carter and then the other thing that still stuck in my in my head was the idea that she'd been blanked so often at the golden globes (laughs) she's like she's over something terrible at the globes now nine over nine at the globes which is just kind of an astonishing feat um and obviously you know she didn't win so like betting on her to win here because she lost there doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense even though she's also 0 for 4 or 0 for 3 so far at the at the emmys um but well, I, you know, I i think there's very little overlap between the hollywood foreign press and the tahiti academy membership so i think you're probably safe in in not correlating the two right i just i part of me feels like and this is probably mining too deep but part of me feels like that she's got that that perennial runner-up quality about her and if the people who really do love the crown and got it this many nominations and were that you know excited about her casting and thus that excited about watching her perform they'll want to end that at some point in some way and this seems like the role in which they'd have a good chance to do it so um those two kind of factors of of actors standing by the show and um and carter kind of needing a win have me edge toward her at the moment but yeah like again the 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 julia garner energy is behind snook weirdly enough even though julia garner is dominated speaking of actor factors oh my god that's what ben said at the sags was succession not eligible this past sag the fact that no, it was. Yeah. Was that, I have a is few that... seconds send you about it. <laughs> I, I think I remember that. That's why that's why I'm like, is that is that a huge concern here? Maybe not it huge, was, but it was that... a significant concern to me until the nominations came out and they got like nine acting nominations. The nominations the thing, cleared everything up. Remember, Libby? Like, we knew that no. once the nominations came out, we'd understand it did, everything. It did, it, did, it did provide some clarity. The thing about Succession is that I honestly don't know what drama series the actors would prefer right now. I mean, The Crown only got the two leading, it, it's two main women nominated in acting this year. Um, I'm trying to look at the other contenders. Like, um, you know, Ozark is there, you know, maybe, maybe Linny wins, you know, maybe Julia Garner wins. But like, I think this is a case. And as much as I've talked about comedy having um, the comedy field being weaker than it was last year, it's not like the drama category is super, is, is super strong. I mean, I think we can all agree that limited series is really where the, the high, high power battles are going on this year. And to a certain extent, when you're talking about the enthusiasm quotient, I just think, if not succession, then what? And I haven't come up with a satisfactory answer yet. No, that that makes sense. I I just think I was... Oh, it's baffling. Yeah, I I think that that SAG SAG omission was, if if it's worrisome or not, but the fact that the nominations came and the amount they did makes sense. Since we're talking about succession and sort of the the omission at the SAGs and and how that might have been reversed... Let's talk about Best Supporting Actor, where you both have Kieran Culkin from Succession winning this. Ben, in your could win, you have who I have picked, who Rubeman has picked, Billy Crudup from The Morning Show. But your should win, Ben, is Matthew McFadden from Succession. In whichever order you choose to answer these questions, why should Matthew McFadden win? 
And why would you be upset if Billy Crudup did win? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, um, Matthew McFadden should win because, well, there's six million reasons. I mean, everything, every quote you know from the show, I'd say half of them are from Matthew McFadden or responding to something Matthew McFadden did. I'd also argue that this role is is extraordinarily different from 90% of the roles that Matthew has done so incredibly well in, in, in the past. So like to see him succeed so highly in such a departure, uh, as well as a departure from, I mean, who we know him to be during interviews. So I just, I just am in such admiration of everything that he does because there is a level of, um, there's a level of specificity to it, a, a level of humanity to it. Uh, and both of those things are integral to a show that kind of deconstructs a lot of that, like where it's, it's, it's about inhuman people and it's, it's shot in this way. That's like just kind of going all over the place. And there's uh, you know, there's a, a cinema verite element to it, but really um, it's, it's just panic. So, uh, so no, I, I, I love Matthew. I would really love to see him win this. Um, Billy Crudup should not win because uh, he is, almost the opposite. He is almost doing, he's almost distilling everything that he's ever done in past roles into a kind of vaguely written character who succeeds on the idea that he has, uh, that he's charming, uh, that in the end he's good enough for you to root for. Um, but there's really no backbone to him. There's nothing we know about this person. There's no backstory. There's nothing grounded in him. Like he is just kind of a person in the corner who can do whatever you need him to do to facilitate the plot. Um, and to me that, that makes him a, a rather uninteresting character and the, the performance is, is better for elevating that, but I'm not, I, I don't feel like Billy is doing anything that he hasn't done before. So, um, Lastly, I'll just say that I have no confidence in my prediction. So taking taking the critical element aside and just talking about who's actually going to win, uh, I would love to see Kieran Culkin win this. I think he's a he does a fantastic job as well uh, for many different reasons than what I just described with Matthew. Um, but I have a real hard time imagining him winning. Like I, have, it's just one of those things in my head where I just have a hard time. I mean, he's not going to take the stage this year, but seeing him hold an Emmy even just seems like a, a a bridge too far in some regards. So I might panic and prepare for the worst and expect the the um, ill-founded Billy Crudup is amazing in the morning show narrative uh, to, to take this. But Livy, please explain why Kieran is going to win. Please well, help me imagine the, this. Here's the thing. First of all, I, I agree completely. I have no idea who's going to win this category. No one has really emerged as the front runner. And when you look at the like odds on gold derby, it really feels like the, uh, the, the people voting there were just like, uh, Kieran Culkin? Like, maybe he's the guy? Crudup, I, I mean, if you look back at Crudup's, and we were talking about this before we started filming, it, Crudup's narrative as, as to him being kind of a, a powerhouse in this category comes off of one Critics Choice win, like, nine, ten months ago. And that's that's the thing about the Emmy race, is because there, there are no precursors, there's no, and in this year especially, there's no tea leaves to be read, um, to try and, and distill what might be going through people's heads. So I don't really know how they're feeling about Crudup. Uh, I do know they gave Morning Show more nominations than I would have. Uh, so they yeah. the actors like it as far as that goes. I, I, I completely co-sign on every, everything you said about Matthew. It would be such a delight to see him win. But ultimately, I think I went with Culkin because he seems like more of a known entity and the role is showier if you for whatever reason enter succession and you aren't actually familiar with who matthew Mc, uh, mcfadden is then you don't know what an astonishing performance it is <laughs> like um if i told you yeah that dude played one of the best mr darcy's um in pride and prejudice you would be Sorry. like no that's not that that's <laughs> Tom Lit, like no, that's not that's not humanly possible. Tom um, but but so much of it is 
much more subtle than like Roman, you know, getting involved with Jerry and and being a little scumbag and then getting kidnapped and held hostage. You know, that that there was a lot more there and there were there was a lot more, I would say, opportunities for Culkin to show like kind of pathos. Um he had some very pure moments of vulnerability, like when he when coming back to the boat and and trying to connect with his siblings and then they made fun of him uh, and just um when he got hit uh, by his dad like there are just there are these repeated moments that i think it's just showier i think if they're going with a succession person they go with culkin um even though my heart lies with matthew but other than that i just it feels like a very flat category like i don't I don't know who it could, I don't know who it's going to be. Leo, what is in in your Rube Man expertise? What what is your feeling? Oh, well, let me say one thing though. Go. I would 110% not be surprised to see Bradley Whitford win this out of nowhere just because they love him on that show. They love him in this role. He uh won last year when the rest of the show wasn't eligible. Um just like so if I I don't I'm not going to predict it, but like if that out of nowhere comes up and happens just remember you know there was it's not a total shocker so that's that's what i'll say about that i'm picking crud up just because i think i'm buying into what people are that people the narrative that he is going to win this or the actors are going to pick him to win this just based on his charisma and charm that being said the same argument could be made kind of for kieran culkin winning i think kieran culkin is not doing a whole lot of heavy lifting on succession i think he's super great in it but there's not a whole lot to, that it, that feels like Kieran Culkin, uh, for better yeah, or for worse. Yeah, turned up to like fourteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. amplified. Um, and I think like what you were saying, Libby, Kieran Culkin in playing Rome, portraying Roman is just like that's what you think of, you know, rich the rich children of uh, right. these Murdoch like monoliths uh, that they would have everything given to them and they would do these awful things and they would have no bones about it. Tom Let's Lamp. just say he has very like low key Menendez brother vibes um, <laughs> on a certain level. Like, but I, I mean, if if I were voting with my heart, whams gams all like all day, all night. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know how you wouldn't like. I, I think of him from uh, Death at a Funeral, where he's the sort of the original Death at a Funeral, where he is the the sort of straight man center of this insane thing going around him. <laughs> And in succession, in some ways, he plays the complete opposite of that. And you could argue that he, he might be funnier than most of the supporting actors in the comedy race. You know, in the, in the comedy series supporting actors. Oh, race. yeah. So I, I, so I think I think that might also be, I don't know if it's a detriment to him, that he is sort like he's he is a comedic element of this dramatic show, even though it's all inherently comedic. It's very dark and comedic uh for whatever it's worth us debating which succession actor is our favorite in this very <laughs> moment is probably indicative of why there could be serious vote splitting and then billy credup wins so yeah yeah i mean you're right but i you're... thought vote splitting is not a real thing ben i mean i don't want it to be leo but you know we just illustrated how it could be so well let's move on to uh, should we move on to another another spot where there could be vote splitting and go to best actor? Right now, you both have Jeremy Strong at, in the top spot. Uh, ben, your could win, again, is my pick, Jason Bateman for Ozark, because I think I am betting on some vote splitting here. Uh, Brian Cox won the Golden Globe, which obviously, as Libby mentioned earlier, the voting bodies are completely different, so there's not really a correlation there. What do you, what do you make of the Strong versus Cox argument here and could someone like bateman or billy porter win this i mean libby's been sitting with us for for much longer than i have uh, it feels like so I'm, I'm going to let her speak a little bit to the cox strong possible split and and that conundrum and all i'll say is is ozark's 18 nominations to me make me think that it's gonna win a big one um I think I I think at the moment I'm 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 thinking that will be Laura Linney's uh, award to win, um, but the idea that Bateman hasn't won one for acting as of yet, uh, 
I don't know. He he downplays it so much, and the humble route could work in his favor. But I just I think it's probably going to be Lenny, which then brings me back to the Succession Boys. And Strong just seems like he's got more to chew on. So I I'm in that boat at the moment. But again, like there's at least three people on here who are all quote unquote favorites. I mean, I struggle with the vote splitting, but to the extent that I just don't know which succession actor will win, even though I realize that's not actually how vote splitting works. But if you're choosing between succession actors, I think you are choosing between, you know, who is more likable and who is doing the most acting um, and who is doing the most craft work. Um, And I think actors have to decide what they want from 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 a person in that in that situation i will make the argument against bateman not because i don't like him not because i don't think he's doing a good job i just think that i don't know if the actors will remember that they weren't the ones that awarded him and like (laughs) think that they have already awarded him and will move on to another opportunity for me if the succession if the succession actors split i see billy porter winning again um i just think there is a lot of love for pose and uh, not that you would know from the nominations but um pose is very well respected and while it is disappointing that the actors can't get their shit together and nominate actual trans actresses from the show um I, I do think that that a lot of people see Porter as, as sort of the stand-in for the series altogether. So if they want to be like, yes, we still appreciate that Pose exists, that it's here. I think Porter gets enough votes in that scenario where he wins. But, you know, those four are really the only ones I think that have a legitimate shot at this. Now watch Sterling K. Brown win. Uh, well, Ben, you kind of hinted at this earlier. Your your pick for best actress, you're saying that where, where Ozark picks up its big win would be Laura Linney. Your could wins are uh, a tri- trio. Jennifer Aniston from The Morning Show, who won the SAG. Uh, Olivia Colman from The Crown, who won the Golden Globe. And Libby's pick uh, from Euphoria, Zendaya. So, Ben, defend Laura Linney winning this award. All right. Great question, Leo. Let me tell you why Jennifer Aniston should win this Emmy. Um, Jennifer Aniston is actually the, the like amazing achievement to come out of the morning show in that not only does she carry her into the stick, uh, you know, far better than her fellow sporting performers. Um, but she gets to really lean into the things that she's been doing well for a long time under the radar when people weren't paying attention. Like they were looking at her as friends. They were looking at her as a romantic comedy lead or or co-star. But in the morning show, when she really got those scenes to herself to shine and to dominate and to control the screen, she earned it and she did it convincingly. And she did it in a way where you kind of forgot everything else that was going on, which was often necessary in a show that was very, very rocky uh, throughout. So like the, the fact that she's, she is the lead actress this year. Like to me, she is the one who deserves this because she not only elevated the show, but she made, she made, she made it watchable. Like she made it, she made it into something where you're like, Oh, that scene that she did when she was in the boardroom and the dress, like sitting there commanding everybody's like, that was great. I want to see that scene again. Um, and I, and Laura Linney has been doing that all three seasons on Ozark. So it's, it's, it's really like, I'm not going to be angry if, if she loses, but I would really like to see Aniston kind of get her due here, um, even though I don't love the show. So thank you for asking that, Leo. I know you wanted to hear, and that's uh, all I have to say at the moment. I know intellectually that I should think that Jennifer Aniston is going to win this. Uh, she won the SAG. She, you know, is is beloved within the industry. And if not her, then there's Olivia Coleman, who quite similarly to the Helena Bonham Carter thing, I think when she was announced for the crown, there was like a 60% lock that she would win this award. Um, but the crown has faded in, 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 I think, people's estimations in their 
it's just not top of mind for people as much as it was. And it feels like Olivia Coleman's window is closing a little bit after the favorite and the favorite. Um, I don't know. Fleabag. Yeah, Fleabag. Um, Laura Lenny is a fine choice. I love Laura Lenny. She has never gotten her due for the show. Again, I don't, and I don't know what circles I run into, but give or take a bend, I don't run into a lot of people who are super passionate about Ozark. And so I, I chose Zendaya here because it's a little random. She's very young. She's very beloved. The show made a big splash. Um, and it feels like... It definitely feels like one of those where if she was able to get nominated, she absolutely could win. All right. Well, let's let's move on to uh, the series categories. Um, first, let's do drama writing. Uh, which of the succession episodes wins this category? Is it the finale? This is not for tears. Or is it hunting? Most famous for... The final scene. Four on the floor. Four on the floor. <laughs> Hunting. Parentheses. Four on the floor. It's the Jackie Daytona problem. Why didn't they just call the episode Four on the Floor? It would win. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Get better with your episode titles, people. <laughs> Listen, Amber Fan is going to win one of these. I just don't know which. It's probably directing. directing. I don't know, though. We're, we're but I think it's going right to win one. I know, but that's the. these are the two that we have to. And this is the episode that we're talking. I just don't. It's. I don't like it. It's not a good category. Shouldn't count. Uh, I don't know. I, I really think it's it's this is not for tears and Aberfan. Like I think those are the two for both of these that we have to talk about. And Harge agrees with me. He heard Aberfan and he got really excited and came over here. Aberfan. Uh, it's like a V. Like a V. Aberfan. Aberfan. Aber fun. Aber van. Um, Welsh people are going to be upset with you. Like they already they are. are. It's been years. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I like instinctually because Succession won writing last year when it wasn't really supposed to, and because directing had kind of a big surprise with Jason Bateman for Ozark. I'm kind of leaning more in that similar direction where I don't expect the Crown to win series. I don't expect it to do incredibly well. But another directing win two years after the, the its its pilot one um, seems like it could still happen. That being said, if we're on if we're in like a full on succession love fest, maybe not a sweep, but if we're in like succession zone, then it could take both writing and directing. So um, I think I'm I'm kind of in the split zone right now, where I'll go. Abervan for directing and and this is not for tears for writing. So the problem right now is that for one thing, the DGAs give us no no help here. And something I often talk about is the problem with the winter awards season is that it does not match with the Emmy calendar. So you're getting different years competing against different things. So for example, like with the DGA winners, you were seeing things like in Chernobyl was winning for miniseries while Watchmen was winning for drama series, which it is now not a drama series, it's a limited series, which so now the DGAs have given us no indication as to what their preference would be in this particular field. So that's no help. What we do know from the WGA is that this is not for tiers one. So that's my pick in writing. Um, It's not hard and fast like it's it's entirely possible that the crown comes in and and picks it up because that's an outstanding episode and they probably want to give it something but for me it just feels like succession's year and i'm not going to be surprised if it takes both writing and directing for that finale because so much of the time and we see this a lot it it's it's often about the note that a show will leave you on um I think so much of Succession season two comes down to how incredible the last five minutes of the season are, um, because it sends you out, and and the 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 taste in your mouth is fantastic. It's like you can't get enough of it. You were you're ravenous for season three. 
you want more. And I just think that when people think about the series, when people think about this season, like that's what they're going to remember. So when they see that on a ballot, they're going to go for it. Um, Ben, I think all your arguments are totally sound. I just like, what I will say is that at DGA, it was two Watchmen episodes nominated. It was two Game of Thrones episodes nominated. And then it was the season two finale of Succession. If that gives you any indicator, any, any indication of where the director's hearts might be. And, uh, you know, I, I just, that's where my gut is right now. Yeah. That's maybe just what I'm hoping for, but, you know. So Jesse Armstrong for writing, Mark Mylod for directing. This is not for tears. Succession. Uh, I should also note, I made a mistake earlier. Hunting. No. Hunting is only nominated in directing, and not in writing. Oh yeah. They only submit. They, they only, only submitted. Submitted. Yeah. I mean, I, I think and it's a lock. I almost think it's a lock for writing. I think the 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 question is, the, essentially, the thing that Ben mentioned is is that Abervan episode enough to put it over the top of this is not for tears. Otherwise, I think it sweeps the categories like you have it, Libby. Well, speaking of a potential succession sweep in writing and directing in drama series is this literally the category with the least drama ben you have succession <laughs> libby you have succession i have succession the only could win you have on your on your dock ben is game of thrones no it feels like a joke the mandalorian that's totally that i mean that would, i totally get it would lose I absolutely get my it. mind <laughs> Me too, buddy. Uh, how is this not succession? It's an interesting way to phrase the question. I would say it's not succession if and only if uh, the actors aren't as passionate as they seem. Um, the The acting body, like Libby mentioned, giving that many nominations to that many performers for succession really seems to help secure a fandom around the show that even if the actors individually don't win, whether it's because of vote splitting or just because of competition, then the series itself should be very, very strong. That being said, if they really just kind of liked the show or liked the performers or liked it well enough, I have a hard time seeing Ozark winning. It just doesn't, it's that same kind of mental block, even though it has 18 nominations tied with succession. So they should technically be on an even playing field. I just have a hard time imagining it being the one show that 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 is crowned best drama series. And to me, that's because when we look at last year's race, when we look at many of the, the races over the last you know four to five years, one of the most important factors is just how well something has been seen. And The Mandalorian, by all accounts, was a massive hit. And it got 15 nominations, which is a huge total, even if most of them came in the creative arts categories and the craft categories. But um, those are, that is the biggest, you know, below the line. And craftspeople do make up the largest voting body. I, I mean, collectively, as opposed to like the actors, just the actors are the biggest solitary, but there's far more below the line voters than there are above the line. Is that correct, Ben? Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's weird to talk about it because, you know, so often we talk about the actors being the biggest because no, I know. we're looking at individual things, but yeah, when you're, when you're looking at kind of just a collective, um, it's, it's important to remember that, but it's also important to remember that, you know, the actors may not have responded to a performance or a, or a performance by Pedro Pascal, who's behind a helmet the whole time, but that doesn't mean they didn't love the show and the show you know, coming out kind of before the pandemic hit, but still being viewed throughout the pandemic and building all of that buzz and, and having Disney behind it and becoming kind of the the um, the new representative of Star Wars, like the, the healthy, positive version of this big, beloved franchise that's now, you know, a part of the TV universe in a way that it hasn't been before. Again, like a lot of people could respond to this. It could be that same kind of thing of like, instead of just being like, well, what's the best show? It's more about, well, what's the show that kind of defined the last year of TV? And if they look at it as as just kind of the one that, you know, the culture responded to, then it's going to be The Mandalorian. And honestly, that's how I always felt about Game of Thrones. It always felt to me like 
we're not actually saying this is the best show on TV. We're just saying that this is the show that everybody talked about. Like, this is the one that you had to watch. When did Outstanding Drama Series turn into the TCA's program of the year? I mean, it's a great question, but it, I mean, I would argue that it happened pretty much the first year Game of Thrones won. 2015. Okay, I think before, well, I mean, so, Handmaid's Tale snuck in there in 2016. But that was when Game of Thrones was off. Game of Thrones was off, yeah. Uh, and then before that, you have Breaking Bad, Homeland, and then four straight years of Mad Men. And all of those had, uh, I mean, Mad Men doesn't have the kind of viewership that any of like that we presume the Mandalorian has or that we know Game of Thrones had, um, but it still had that same kind of this is the show that the zeitgeist has decided is lost, important. Lost season one, uh, twenty four, season five, one in two thousand six. <laughs> the fifth season yeah, of twenty four beat The Sopranos, The West Wing, House, and Grey's Anatomy. There's definitely some interesting picks, but anyway, the the, the <laughs> long and short of it is basically. Um, I I cannot count out the Mandalorian until the creative arts kind of starts doing their thing. And if it starts raking in wins at the creative arts and, and, you know, starts toppling succession, then maybe. So that's, that's my argument for could win, but I still am picking succession. Thank you. That is terrifying. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Number one, Ben, that was a very disturbingly convincing Mandalorian argument. Uh, Number two, Ben, I have a question for you, and then I want Leo to talk at length about this. But what happens if Disney Plus wins a series award before Netflix? (laughs) I I mean, I mean... um... The simple answer would have been we'd see a serious turnover within the Netflix executive and awards departments, uh, but that's already happened. Uh, so maybe the writing's on the wall, right? Um, what do they know? I, we don't. I think that I think that what we'd continue to see, and it wouldn't really be credited toward this, but we'd just continue to see more streamers following a similar model of we need the next game of thrones like we need the popular show we need like it's like the popular show is not only going to be popular which is the main goal to begin with but it could also win awards and if the mandalorian becomes that show where it was just kind of this almost like a kid's show with a huge budget and it becomes an emmy juggernaut then people are going to be like oh okay well let's just stop worrying about the prestige TV. Let's start giving into um, the escapism, fun, you know, good stuff that we know we can make anyway. Well, um, congratulations to Prime TV's Lord of the Rings. Oh, exactly. Yeah. No, there'll be a lot of anticipation really, for they that. They should have sunk some more money into The Witcher. <laughs> that's, that's the one. That'll be Netflix's big push next year. It'll be Witcher season two. So. Uh, but no, I, I, I think there will just be a lot of anger, but also kind of a continued fawning over our new overlords where everybody's already kind of committed to Disney Plus being the model of, of streaming success and the one that like really figured it out and did it right amidst, amidst all the new streaming contenders, contenders that have launched. Um, but then on top of that, they'll be, they'll be the awards magnet. They'll be the one who figured it out. And also they'll be extremely happy because unlike with their movies, unlike with the Avengers and Star Wars films, uh, they figured out how to get get those franchises the respect they deserve, quote unquote, through TV. So finally, populism will have a platform. Exactly. Leo, yeah, I, I'm sure you, I know you have a lot of things to say. I mean, I'm just looking. I'm just looking for forward to uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier winning this uh, award in two years. And then that way, that way, both the, the Star Wars universe and the Marvel universe have earned a uh, an Emmy. Yeah, Ben, I will say you're. I hate when I don't like correlate a thought I had on a different category to, because like literally my thinking on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is, it's a wider group of people voting. Schitt's Creek feels like an actor's like it's like 
these are all the actors voting for all their actor buds. And once you get all the cast people involved, they're going to be like, well, Maisel's a better made show. We're going to we're going to vote for Maisel. And that's why I have Maisel winning that category. The same could be like literally the argument you're laying out is like, that's what's going to happen with drama if the actors don't sort of force Succession's hand. Like they have to vote uh, in mass for succession in order for it to to win. And if, and if there's any sort of deviation from that, if they're voting in equal parts for succession, Ozark, The Crown, the, and some people are voting for The Mandalorian, you know, the, the rest of the voting block could push The Mandalorian over the top. You guys, I was planning on sleeping. <laughs> Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation. Anywhere our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video of Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor-in-chief is Dana Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Anne Donahue. Our favorite glasses manufacturers are Moscot, LA Works, and Arby's Parker. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ, what a stretch. Bad. I don't even think that's correct. I don't think they're manufacturers. I think they're retail sales. Like, I think they're just distribute glasses millions of screens also endorses contact lenses though not today fun fact arby's parker had a crossover in reality in which you could go get an arby sandwich from a warby parker so they've endeared themselves to me forever how did those two companies get together i feel like one is better than the other one yeah arby's mm. Yikes. <laughs> wait what i think i think Get by working together Maybe that's true, because bad on Warby Parker for working with Arby's. Why? It's like a taste level thing. Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand. Arby's tastes great. That's what I said. They wouldn't understand. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire at Ben T. Travers and at Lee Adrian Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. Shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.